Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. Today, we're going to listen to this pod and get on our feet, hopefully. Hope you're staying inside otherwise and uh, quarantining properly. If you're brand new to this show, welcome. It's a show all about how some of the most interesting and innovative brands out there today are mobilizing their masses to become more authentic. And today, we're on with Saucony and their chief marketing officer, Don Lane. We talk a lot about the current circumstances, of course, and how running is actually growing at a crazy rate and how to build community within that, how to run together while staying distanced. So we talk a lot with Don about what Saucony is doing to get involved in that conversation, as well as his journey to this point, which involves vast experience in both in-house and agency work. So you get to learn a lot about that diverse experience and what that's taught him over the years. And then towards the end of the episode, we talk about how he leverages real stories within his marketing strategy and, of course, get to advice, which is a two-parter this time, not just how to build a better brand, but also how to get started within running regimens, that sort of thing. And I thought the answers to those two parts of that advice question were actually pretty similar. So it shows you just how deep running as a discipline goes into Don's life as a runner himself, but also into his principles as a brand marketer. I can't wait for you to have a listen. So normally I would say sit back and relax, but now I'd say either do that and or get up, walk and or run and hear our interview with, from Saucony, Don Lane. All right, everybody, I'm here with Saucony and their chief marketing officer, Don Lane. Don, thanks so much for joining the show today. Welcome. Thanks, Adam. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, I can't wait to chat with you specifically because I know people are, well, they're getting outdoors in a different way right now. And while I can't go to my local gym or even use the fitness center in my apartment complex, I'm doing a heck of a lot of running. And I'm sure that you're seeing the same from a passionate Saucony uh, brand enthusiasts today. And I'm going to get to that in a little bit. I'm going to start with you specifically. I want to talk about your journey to this point. And I'll note in doing a little bit of research, and it's not very hard to find, but you spent a heck of a lot of time on the agency side, only within the last couple of years, shifted over to in-house. So I want to learn about what finally pushed you into in the in-house world, and then what brought you to Saucony specifically. So I know it's a lot, but if you could give us a background, that would be great. Sure. Thanks. Yes, I grew up loving brands. My father worked in advertising and just naturally had an inclination for being interested in it. And I did spend the first 21 years of my career agency side. And amazingly, in our business, all at one agency. So it was Arnold Worldwide in Boston. And I was really lucky because very early in my career, I had a chance to work on Volkswagen, which at the time, mid 90s to around 2005 was probably the best ad campaign in the world. It was the Drivers Wanted campaign. I got to learn from incredible people and learn lessons that I've applied across my career, both agency and client side, but including, or in addition to Volkswagen, worked on other global iconic brands like ESPN, Volvo, Titleist, and in the footwear category, Footjoy, Timberland, and New Balance. There were a number of other clients I worked with as well, but primarily those were the brands that I had the pleasure of helping grow. And some of those were number one in their categories. Others were um, challenger brands. What was great about it was every few years, once it started to get a little stale, Arnold gave me the opportunity to rotate onto a different challenge. And so, for example, Volvo, 
I was the global leader of a multi-agency alliance and traveled all over the world. I had to spend a couple of weeks out of every month for a few years dedicated to either being in Europe or Asia. And so all these experiences just really opened my mind and it enabled me to feel like I was growing even though I was still with one agency. And so that was my background. Then about two years, well, let's see, it's coming up on four years now, I guess. I finally realized I was at probably half time of my career and did not want to be a lifer at Arnold or agency side. And it wasn't anything negative about Arnold or agency life. It was just a natural curiosity to grow and keep growing. And there was an opportunity to move over to DraftKings, which was going through a bit of a PR crisis at the time and needed to build on their very strong direct response marketing um, approach to wrap a brand around what they stood for and to develop their marketing approach. And so they recruited me and I spent two years there, which was growth for me because I part of my background is that I am a strategic marketer by trade, mostly in account management, some new business, but loved coming up with creative ideas and was one of the few people at Arnold who wasn't in the creative department that uh, presented ideas that were embraced by the creative teams were actually produced. So TV spots for Volkswagen and, and some other stuff for some other clients were actually concepts that I created. And by going to DraftKings, I was able to build out that skill set because I was head of brand, but also head of the creative team. So started up internal practices around consumer insights and brand strategy, brand marketing, integrated marketing, sports marketing, uh, and also built on an existing social team, as well as being the in-house creative director, if you will, for all the work we did for DraftKings. And so that was a good two-year run. And then after doing that for a couple of years, the Saucony opportunity came up and it was just tailor-made for where I was in my career. It was a step up into a chief marketing officer role, but also one that would allow me to continue to be both strategic and creative for a small challenger brand in a category that I loved. And so it kind of felt like everything through my career, both agency and client side, led me to that point. So I've been with Saucony since the fall of 2018. And when you talk about category that you love, are you a big runner yourself? Are you a sneakerhead? I mean, what 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 kind of what part of the shoe game interests you the most? Love both. I do love to run. Have loved to run, and it came to me later in life, maybe my mid late thirties. I I figured out that that was a way to stay active. I, I grew up playing all kinds of sports, and running was a necessary evil <laughs> through high school, and college, and through uh, my young adulthood. But then once I got into it later in life, I really grew to love it. And it began something that I was able to challenge myself with every day. So I've never run a marathon, but I've run shorter distances. I'm actually training for the Chicago, this year's Chicago Marathon currently. Wow! So I do love to run and have been a runner for probably 15 years, but also love sneakers and given the brands I mentioned before that I worked on, you know, some of those are in that category. And that's a big part of our business too, our originals line. But primarily we're known as a running brand. And even our originals products are uh, 
heritage versions of originally great innovative running products. So that's the heart of who we are and the, re the reason that I was attracted to Saucony. Got it. Well, you know, people who are passionate about running, you know, I'm sure have many stories like yours, which is like, you know what, it was first, it was kind of a bore, you know, I'd rather do something else. It seems so monotonous and yet they get so passionate. As a matter of fact, one of my closest friends down here in the, in the DC area where I currently live, I, I believe it's his sister was like that and got really into running. And now, now you're going to have to give me a little bit of rope here because I don't exactly know, but I believe she's doing like each of the five or six major like global marathons, you get like a yeah. medal or something like that. You put like charms in it. I don't know exactly how it works, but it's yeah. like a big award that you get if you do all that. So it's, it, I mean, you fly all over the world to do this kind of thing. It's, you know, serious business. It, it's good for her. The thing that about running that is really, I think, special about it is that most people come to it for a different reason or from a different angle many people get into it because they're looking to improve their physical health. A lot of people keep doing it because they realize that there is a physical benefit to it, but the mental health benefits are just extraordinary. You're your best self when you're in shape and the things you work through and work out while you're running and even after running, that is something that people don't want to give up on. Other people run for performance, for competition. Some people run just so they can have a donut, drink a beer, enjoy pizza, and not totally let themselves go. And so what was interesting when we did the research that led to our brand positioning, which is run for good, is that everybody runs for something and it's goodness, however they define it for themselves. And that's what's really appealing to it is that there's something for everybody in a good run. And that's really what we're trying to, to celebrate. That's interesting. I want to get to that in a little bit with another question because of just the multiple ways that people get in to running and what they get out from running. I want to talk about the collective experience though, first, because okay. we are in these current coronavirus circumstances. All right. And as I said earlier on, I can't get to my gym right now, right? right. I'm going on walks, I'm going on, you know, I'm not really going on many runs right now, but it, you know, it's because I'm walking with friends and I can't run too well with friends without, you know, quickly showing, uh, what different shape I'm in. But I'm curious as to how Saucony is adapting to this because that can become a great, uh, connector. And though you might have to run six feet apart, it's still something where, I'm sure you can take advantage of this either virtually, if not physically. I know you have uh, groups that are devoted to this. I know you're also very purposeful with it. About a year ago, I understand that you all started Run For Good. I want you to talk a little bit about that here. But generally speaking, I want to know how you're adapting to this and how Saucony is well positioned to be taking advantage of the fact that more people are running right now. So could you elaborate a little bit on what Saucony is doing at the moment? Yeah, in terms of building community, well, there's a lot that we're doing. Um, and I'll answer the question explicitly, but then can talk about also how we're leveraging the current situation to drive a healthy business that's right for the times. But in terms of the increase in the perceived increase of running that's happening out there, um, what we're trying to do is just remind people of all the good things that come from those who run and the good things that come from running and that 
actually it's one of the few things that you can do safely right now to stay active and maintain appropriate social distancing. So running by oneself is generally how people do it. But even when you're running by yourself, you're part of a larger community. There's almost a, a dog whistle among runners. When you pass them on the street, there's an acknowledgement, a head nod. And so we're able to leverage just the natural uh, notion of, of running alone in today's context. So whereas Run for Good is our, is our brand positioning, we're using language like Run Solo for Good just to reinforce the solitary nature of it and that you can do it safely. But at the same time, what we want to do is give runners a sense of community that they may not be getting given what's happening around the world. So runners groups can't congregate together without social distancing. Many of those groups emanate from run specialty stores, which is the primary revenue source for us. Those um, doors, retail doors that specialize in, in running products products and selling running products. They have running groups and fun runs and um, happy hours. That's gone now. So what we're doing is virtually trying to provide that kind of experience for, for runners. So as an example, tomorrow through Strava, which is an app that helps you track your running experience and captures data, we have uh, the Saucony Strava Run Club. It's got over 20,000 members now. That's grown quite a bit in the last year. And tomorrow we have a 5K where we're asking everybody at 9 o'clock Eastern time to go run a 5K. Strava, the app, will capture their experience and we'll be offering um, content and uh, not only on Strava, but throughout our social channels that creates this sense of community. I don't want to make too big a deal out of that because it's just one small way we're doing it, but it is timely and it's something that, we're, that, that is happening tomorrow and it's an example of, of what you're asking. But the other things that we're doing, too, is you can imagine with run specialty stores closing the way they are with no certainty around when they're going to open up, that's had a massive impact on our business. What has happened on the other side, though, is people uh, running towards our website. So Saucony.com is through the roof. It's up 40% year over year. And what's incredible about it is we're driving full price because we offer a premium experience. We're not having to do any promotional activity. And whereas we are earnestly selling shoes, we're doing so with more of a balanced brand plus retail approach that's empathetic in what we try to say pitch perfect, not tone deaf for what's going on out there. So in addition to presenting shoes in a way that we may have differently on the site just a month ago. There's other content on there that's acknowledging the period that we're in. We're leveraging our athletes to offer tips and tricks for how to get up and running for the first time if you're new or how to stay fit and in shape or connect with your community if you're an existing runner. We're highlighting our employees and what we're doing for them, but also how we are all still running on the site, but also through our social channels. So. It's just living the brand and saying, what would a brand, if a brand stood for run for good, how would they behave in any environment? Well, how would that be? Um, how would that, how, how would we refocus that in the present environment? Those are some of the ways that we're bringing our brand to life. 
And I'm glad that you're doing it, activating all the different cohorts that Sockney has at its disposal to bring people together. You know what I also think is interesting, or I don't know about unique, but certainly something that I haven't heard on this show before and something I actually have not noticed much in the market is that this has presented such, I suppose, an increase in the interest of running into Sockney as a derivative that, uh, that you're able to do, you don't have to... You don't have to cut anything in order to like keep business up. Like I thought about when this whole thing started, everybody was doing 60, 70, 80% off. Everybody was doing super deep cuts because they thought that was the way to keep people coming through the door, virtually speaking. The fact that you're able to, you don't necessarily have to pull that lever immediately because I think it's kind of a cheap lever to pull. I mean, really, if you're going to get people on on price, it means you're you're likely slacking somewhere else. You're, You're not up to snuff. And so the way that you're able to, looking to build community in this way, I think is, is, is great. And also good because you don't have to pull those other sorts of levers. And it actually makes me curious about some of the ways in which you are. You just mentioned, here's my next question. You were mentioning highlighting employees and and doing a lot of highlighting of like regular folks, which I think is great. We talk about that a lot on this show. I think it's the heart of what being authentic really is um, in terms of brands. What are you doing with like the, and if I'm cutting you off and you want to answer something else you're fine because i know i'm going on a bit of a monologue but how are you highlighting the journeys of regular runners there i mean i know you're gonna maybe get some content through strava but i'm curious as to how you're actually seeing seeing people if you'll excuse it where the rubber really hits the road i mean how how are you how are you capturing that like i mean right now so we it's funny we don't do a lot of user generated content because we in we tend not to need to because of the athletes we have on our roster and the way we in our everyday business just authentically show runners running through our produced content. That doesn't mean it's high cost. It can be scrappy, but we have the talent we need to put our version of running out there into the world. But what we do do is we are constantly talking to consumers in a multitude of ways. And we've not necessarily had to amp that up now, but we are listening really carefully to see what the nuances are. So ways we do that are just through social listening. We have an incredible social team uh, that primarily focuses on Instagram and Twitter and just the feedback we get through direct messaging that comes naturally is really telling. And we're we're spending time interacting with those folks to uh, understand what's going on out there and making sure that the messaging we put out there is going to be resonant. Other things we do are ethnography with runners. We've done a deep ongoing study around how they run, but also how running fits their life and what makes them tick and how running fits into it. So that when we present our stories, it's not just about, hey, run, 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 but what are you running for? And how does this make you a better leader or more environmentally conscious or more more of an early adopter and focusing on things like innovation? But Also, we have a field marketing staff of what we call shadows. They're technical reps that follow up after our products are sold into our wholesale channel. And we call them shadows because one of our iconic shoes is called the shadow. And what they do is they interact on the front lines with our wholesale channel every day with what we call the kids on the floor, the salespeople that are in those stores and really help with fittings, help organize those fun runs we were referring to before. So they have a real pulse of what's happening on the front lines with consumers. 
And whereas our, many, if not most of the retail doors are closed right now, our field and account marketing staff is in touch with those retailers, helping to understand what they're hearing from their customers. And we've been able to do things like recognize that some people, whereas they'll come to Saucony.com sometimes to buy product, but other times to research in this day when they still want to support those retailers whose livelihoods are at stake right now, we're offering things like shop locally and curbside pickup for those retailers that partner with us. We're offering that direction on Saucony.com. So what we've heard from customers is, yeah, they want to continue running. They want the best shoes and they want Saucony and we'll sell them whatever they want online. And that's good for our business. What's also good for our business is recognizing that there are consumers out there that want to participate with their local retailers as best they can. And we're enabling that too. So it's really just listening to them and then behaving in a way, whether it's through the content we put out there or the business initiatives that we have to do it in a way, like I said, that isn't tone deaf, that's really pitch perfect for what our runners are looking for. Yeah. I'm glad you're doing that. And that fact that you have, you know, these, these athletes and other talent that's so relatable and that you're also able to leverage the, the kids on the floor. I like the way that you put that. Yeah. I want to round this out with a two-parter. I don't do this very often, but one of them is more of a selfish ask. And this is getting more towards the advice column. Listeners know what's coming up. Typically, I ask CMOs how to build better, more authentic brands, what your advice is for doing that, given your vast experience. And I'm glad that you have both the in-house and the brand experience because you've seen a ton. But the first thing I want to ask is for somebody who's just getting into running, maybe they don't do it often or maybe they're forced to now, you have a good like starting regimen? Like where could I find that for maybe getting into it over uh, you know a couple week period? Because I, you know, I, one point I was like trying to lose some weight a number of years ago and I was like, Oh, I'll just start running. And then ended yeah. up like hurting a lot. <laughs> I ended up stopping. So you know, like, <laughs> how, how do you just, how do you ease into it? Do you have a plan? Did you use a plan? Like what, what can people do there? I think the best way to get running is just to put one foot in front of the other. It's hey, okay. <laughs> and I would say set goals, set modest goals and feel how good it feels to achieve them. Don't worry about how fast you're going. Start slow. Make sure that you're eating well. Make sure that you're stretching before and after. And go as far as you can go while still having fun. Because once you get going and you feel what it's like to accomplish your first mile, your first 5K, your first 10K, or picking one of those distances and just going faster, that is addictive in a good way and because it's something that is about self-improvement and something that is all on you. And it doesn't matter how you're doing compared to others. What's really fascinating to me, and I'm sorry I'm off on a tangent here, but I had this observation. Have you ever gone to a race, whether it's a 5K or a marathon, and rooted against any other runner? Have you ever rooted against anyone? Unlike any other sport, you're cheering on everybody who's out there running. Even competitors help their competitors across the finish line. There's no other sport like it. And that's the goodness that comes from running. So you can be part of that. And whatever that finish line is for you is winning. So start slow, 
and speed up along the way, but just bite off what you can chew and feel good about what you've accomplished knowing that there's always a longer distance or a faster race in front of you if that's what you want. Well, that's certainly, I mean, I'm glad to hear it from you directly. And I actually think a lot of like what you just said on a principle level is probably translatable to the other half of the advice, which is the more typical advice that I ask for on this podcast, but I'll do it anyway and and see if it ends up sounding similar. The reason I ask the question at all is because most of the folks who listen to this show are marketers simply looking to make their own way and they emulate the paths of those who appear on this show, such as yourself. But generally speaking, within the lens of this show, we're also looking for good ways to build more personal relationships, build more authentic brands in that way. Now, you've had experience not only doing that at Saucony, but doing it for a myriad of brands through your in-house and agency career. And I'm curious if there are any maybe watershed moments or important learnings, either for better or for worse, that you had along the way that you might be able to offer as a nugget of advice to those who are simply trying to walk in your footsteps, to use another pun. Yeah. Well... An anecdote that just popped into my mind was when I first joined the Volkswagen team way back in the mid-90s, um, there was a creative director there by the name of Lance Jensen, who's a bit of a legendary figure in, in Boston and global advertising. He wrote the line on the road of life, there are passengers and drivers, drivers wanted, has gone on to even bigger and better things. So I knocked on his door, the new guy, and I said, hey, Lance, I'm really excited to join this team. As an account person, what do you value? And he looked at me and he paused for a second and he just said, it's really easy, Don, just be a human being. And he wasn't being clever or glib. He was giving, I think, really good advice. And so I thought about that. And I think a cliche in marketing is people want brands that are human. I think what that really means is that an opportunity for brands to stand out is to do a few things well and not overcomplicate these things. First and foremost, be distinct about what you are and why you matter. Then just tell the truth about that. You know, there was the movie I forget what movie the movie was called, but Tom Hanks was a baseball manager of a women's baseball team. And he said, there's no league of their own. I think there's no lying in advertising. Consumers can smell a lie or an exaggeration from a mile away. And it's a huge, huge turnoff. So be distinct, tell the truth, don't exaggerate, and then just be consistent. Those are really good qualities. Now that we talk about this in humans, but also in runners, And I think that's what we're trying to do as a brand. And the brands that I've worked with, whether it's VW or ESPN or Volvo or Titleist, um, some of the others that we've mentioned, that's what they do. When they're at their best, they're doing that. When those brands aren't doing that, Volkswagen and ESPN have stepped in it in the last 10, 15 years, let's say. Most loyal people recognize that and turn away. But when they go back to who they are, it's a magnet. And so I think that's what brands ought to endeavor to be. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned the parallel between <laughs> how to run a business and how to run, because uh, I think it did sound uh, a little bit uh, in the same vein. But that, uh, you know, it's funny. I, a lot of times, because I get anecdotes like that from time to time, and, and it's funny, you know, when you finally, you know, you pull back the curtain, like at the end of the Wizard of Oz, and you open it up, and the, and the legend sits in front of you, and they just say, yeah, just, just like be a person. And you're like, what? 
It's almost like I would imagine if you get some advice like that, and I've gotten advice like that a couple of times. At first, I'm thinking like, oh, well, that that wasn't like the moment or reveal that I was. <laughs> you almost like you're disappointed by it because it's like, damn, he's got to have so some like, key to the kingdom, right? But, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's I think probably something be a human. Gosh, what a what a platitude. But it's like, you know, something that you it's very hard to do in practice as a as a brand. You know, what I mean, at least that's what I've seen because it's like they're I think that's marketers and brand builders really overcomplicating things. I think that marketeers, and I'm one of them, get really excited about what we do and re- reverse engineer strategies. And I find that when you're selling, you're losing. Just boil it down to the very, very basic, basic stuff. Simplify the best ideas, the best jokes, the best stories are all surprisingly obvious. Have you ever heard a joke and you're like, God, that's so true. And I, I, how did I not think of that? Maybe you were not looking at what was standing right in front of you. So I think that that's, and but it's easy for the best of us to also make this mistake of overcomplicating. Just do the basic things well, consistently and clearly and show why you matter. That's it. That's it. Well, what else can you say? Um, I'm glad to have had that piece of the conversation with you and generally to learn more from you in this time. It's Definitely inspired to me to get up. Well, of course, I got to sit here in the in the studio to record with you. But after that, I mean, this afternoon, ah, it's not looking it's not looking terrible outside. I might go out for a run, but I, I really appreciate you chatting with me here and learning a little bit more about Saucony. He's been great. Good luck with that run, the group run tomorrow, and um, for everything else that you've given on this podcast. Thanks so much for joining. Really appreciate it, Adam. Good luck to you and all the listeners out there. Thanks very much. Thank you so much to Don Lane from Saucony for joining the show today. You really have inspired me to get up and go for a run. I've been doing walks, but it's just not the same. If you liked this show, here's what you can do. Follow us on LinkedIn, Authentic Influence Podcast. It's where all of our shows and clips and other tidbits about the show go. I'm also there personally, of course, Adam Connor. Connect with me, send me a message, let me know what you think about the show and how I can improve. And finally, if you feel so inclined, check out where we live on iTunes or podcasting directories like iTunes and leave a rating and review. Tell us what you think in that open forum. That's helpful as well. I'll be back again real soon with another fantastic story about a brand mobilizing its masses and becoming more authentic in that way. And until then, for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.